All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to talk to you about the conclusion of Summer League for your Denver Nuggets. Had a little bit of news on Sunday right before the game, and we will talk about that. Also going to give a little bit of an update at the end in terms of what I'm going to cover over the course of the next couple months, because this is a time where things are starting to wind down just a little bit, and uh, this is probably my biggest opportunity to take a little bit of a break and to step back just a little bit and understand, hey, next season is also going to be a long season. The hope is to be covering it into June, and if the Nuggets do in fact do that, then we will be going from September to June, so nine months solid, and then we start the cycle over again. So this deep part of the offseason is where all of the media members in, in uh, the majority of us, we tend to take a step back and take a little bit of a break, and we'll talk about that in the third segment. But first, we're going to talk about Summer League for the first two segments here. We'll start with Game 5, this last game of Summer League. Christian Brown didn't play. Colin Gillespie didn't play. Peyton Watson only played the first half. So it was basically Denver's other guys that were at Summer League for the most part. And in the first half, we got to see some interesting stuff. Uh, Peyton Watson in particular looked not great. Uh, He shot 2 of 11 from the field. That shooting percentage is going to be a pretty big issue, I would say, for the first at least two years of his career. We will see what he continues to develop into. He's still a little bit of a blank canvas, I would say. But I think Peyton Watson's biggest issue right now with his shooting percentage is not necessarily the outside jumper, although that is a big problem. It is the contortion on the layups where he doesn't necessarily get as much separation and as much lift as you would want for somebody of his body type, of his player type, where he's handling the ball, he's making decisions with the ball in his hands, and often he's making the right decision by going up for a layup and going up for those shots where he can shoot over guys. But there are some times where he doesn't get the right lift and doesn't get the right explosion to really generate that into an easier shot than what he's actually making it into. So that's part of the learning curve. That's part of the process of growth that he's going to have to undergo, I think, at the next level in order to really figure some things out. But he has had a a horrid shooting percentage over the course of Summer League outside of Game 2, where I think he shot 8 of 12. Pretty sure in each of the other four games, he shot under 40%. So he has a long way to go, especially in terms of consistency, That is where, like, once he starts being consistent, once he starts showing some uh, stability, I would say, that is when he will start playing NBA minutes, I think. In terms of some of the other top performers, Adonis Arms, he really showed out in this game. Uh, This was the first game where I really thought he made an imprint on the Summer League team. Uh, it, It came, I think, one game too late, unfortunately. He had 20 points. He was very efficient as a shooter, dynamic off the ball as well as on the ball, doing a really nice job of creating space for his outside jumper, but also showcasing the athleticism. Really looking good, and I'm glad that Denver has him on an Exhibit 10 
where he will get into training camp. He'll be with the G League team. And hopefully things can kind of progress from there. But as of now, the winner of the two-way contract race is Jack White. Jack White, the Duke player, four-year Duke player who is native to Australia, went over to the NBL for these last couple of years and has played with Melbourne. He's been fantastic. And I, I think that he, this was just another game where he did the little things really well. I think he had like seven points, nine rebounds, a couple steals, uh, doing that little stuff uh, where it comes to helping win games uh, when you're surrounding these other stars, when you're surrounding your normal scorers. I think that Denver has made a good decision with Jack White. I think it's a, a lower ceiling decision in all likelihood, but this is one of those where I think Nuggets fans are going to have to rein it in a little bit because I've seen a lot of clamoring for Adonis Arms. I've seen a lot of clamoring for a higher ceiling prospect, somebody that people think can really excel at the NBA level as opposed to getting by. I understand that. I totally get it. The problem that the Nuggets are facing right now is that they need contributors right now. And I think that Jack White, what he has shown over the course of this last two weeks or so, is that he is a contributor who is willing and able to do the little things on a consistent basis. And the Nuggets need guys that are doing the little things. Most of NBA defense in general is just putting yourself into position executing the scheme, and closing out and working hard on that end. That's all stuff that Jack White does. Whether he can hang with LeBron James and Kevin Durant at the next level, I think that, that remains to be seen. I would guess that he probably can't. But then again, Adonis Arms can't. A lot of other guys, basically everybody on Denver Summer League roster, could not do that. So I think Nuggets fans kind of have to contextualize this a little bit in terms of who are the players that can help out Denver right now? Who are the guys that kind of combined with the, the long-term view, who are the guys that you can expect or hope to be in the NBA rotation, in Denver's rotation, within the next three years or so? Because if you show good things on the two-way contract, then you're pretty much going to get a two-year two deal, is what the Nuggets have really proved as an organization. So if you prove something in this first year, you'll get another year, and then you'll get another year after that, basically. And by the end of those three years, are you penciled into the rotation every single night? Maybe Adonis Arms could have been. Maybe that's a situation where we'll look back on it and think, man, that was a, that was a big mistake. There were a lot of people that thought that letting go of Kenrich Williams was a mistake. When he was on Denver Summer League team, Denver identified him. He looked like he was going to do all of the little things really well. And he's continued to do that with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So much so that they continue to hold on to him and make him basically unaffordable for any contender trying to trade for him. Same thing. No, not, not necessarily the same thing with Terrence Davis, who the Nuggets also identified. He immediately got a deal with the Toronto Raptors. And as it turns out, like he's a good player, but there are some other things. There are some other reasons why he fell. And the Nuggets, I think, dodged a bullet with that one. So these high potential versus high utility picks with the two-way contract 
I don't think Denver's in a situation right now where they can count on high potential. They need to be counting on guys that can contribute over the course of these next couple of years. And Jack White is the closest player that the Nuggets have to being able to do that right now. So I was really impressed with him. Once again, impressed with him tonight. Adonis Arms was very, very impressive. He looked like the best player on the court tonight. That's that's no doubt about it. But it was only one game out of five. And I, I just wasn't really impressed with him. There, there were some tidbits of it over the course of the first four games, but this was the first one where he put it all together. And maybe the Nuggets should have waited. Honestly, maybe they should have waited for Adonis Arms and, and for everything to kind of click in this next game. But I understand why they made the decision that they did. Because I think that Jack White, there's a lot of people comparing him to Vlako Chanchar. There are some similarities to be clear, and they'd probably fill a similar role. But it's also possible that Jack White's just better than Vlako. And if that's the case, don't you want the better player to play? Don't you want to be in a situation where a good player can play on a consistent basis? How would Nuggets fans feel if Adonis Arms was playing consistently over Peyton Watson? How would they feel if he was playing over Christian Brown? When it comes down to it, I think Nuggets fans would probably prefer their first round picks to get that developmental time to see if those guys can be anything. And Jack White isn't going to get in the way of those guys. I think Adonis Arms might have because you can't develop too many players at the same time. And I honestly think that Denver made the right decision here by going with a higher floor player as opposed to the higher ceiling. There were some other guys that I think stood out for some good, some bad reasons. Uh, Matt Mitchell, Jonte Porter, they didn't play in this last game. They, uh, Whether they proved enough or not, I don't really know, but doesn't look like Matt Mitchell is going to be the guy that's that's in the Exhibit 10 deal, just like Arms is or Kellen Grady is. Kellen Grady hit a couple nice plays during this last game. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver brings him in. They bring him into the G League team and then he excels for the Grand Rapids gold. But one other thing I should note, it does seem to me, actually not doesn't seem, uh, this was reported that Jason Terry is going to be with the Utah Jazz. He's going to be an assistant coach for the Utah Jazz. So that is not going to be uh, – Denver's going to have kind of an uprooted head coaching spot from from what they had last time. So we're going to see what the, the Grand Rapids gold looks like. But I, I it's not a big deal right now. We don't really know how to contextualize it, what that's really going to mean for the Nuggets and their development. Those guys are still going to play. There were still other coaches on that team that can step up and do good things. Peyton Watson, he's going to spend a lot of time down there. So I think the Grand Rapids Gold is going to be probably the most important. It's going to be the most important time for Denver to have a G League team because they invested one of their only resources to get better on this team in Peyton Watson. So Denver's going to have to make good on that. He can't bust. Or if he does, then it can't be for lack of trying to get him to avoid that. So we will see how it goes. Kellen Grady, as I mentioned, should be interesting in training camp. Adonis Arms is going to be in training camp as well on an Exhibit 10. And what I want to also reiterate to people is that this race is not over. Like the the two-way contract race is – it's still going. Like if Jack White doesn't perform, 
and Adonis Arms looks great, the Nuggets can always cut Jack White and add Adonis Arms to their team. Like there's no, there's nothing stopping them in that case. They're making this call right now. One of the reasons for that, I think, is that Adonis Arms and Kellen Grady were already on Exhibit 10s. So they're already going to be with the G League team. We'll see if another team picks up Adonis Arms. Wouldn't surprise me if that happened. But I do think that Denver at this point is in a situation where they want to add as many good players to their team as possible. Jack White, I think, is a good player. I think there are a lot of people that don't really believe me on that. But I this is that's just how I feel from watching him. So we will see what happens on that. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk a little bit more in depth about Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Colin Gillespie, and others. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by Superbook Sports. Summer is here. There's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Back, pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support as always. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, that would be fantastic. All right, let's talk about the five players that I think are now firmly associated with the Nuggets Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Colin Gillespie, Jack White, and Ismail Kamigate. Of the other of the players that I think are most important right now, the rostered players are what I would consider, just because they're going to be on the team next year. Probably going to delay the Kamigate talk until we see him a little bit more in France and see what he looks like as he continues to develop. There were some things that I really liked about Kamigate that uh, he could have done this year for the Nuggets, but it does seem to me like a year of seasoning where he can be a little bit more comfortable as a scorer, be a little bit more comfortable with the ball in his hands. That would really help. That would go a long way in terms of what he's likely to face at the NBA level. Because a lot of the time when you're the center, you're going to get the pick and roll pass. You're going to get the the drop-off pass, and it's up to you to make good decisions, to be coordinated, to Uh, finish the play, whether it comes with a shot or a pass, or maybe you have to dribble around somebody in order to get a better angle. Kamigate feels a little bit behind in terms of that aspect of his game. The defensive aspect, he's got pretty well, got pretty well down. There are some things where he'll jump a little bit too excessively looking for blocks. He's a block hunter, a la JaVale McGee. But that comes with time. That comes with experience. Usually those types of players, they will stop jumping every time as they just start to understand how things are going in the NBA. So 
we will see. We'll see what he looks like in France. We'll see what he looks like for this next season. And hopefully Denver is very impressed with him and can bring him over the following year. We will see. As for the other rostered players, Colin Gillespie, I would say... I, I, I talked about these guys a little bit last week, too, like on the Friday podcast, that it feels like he is perfectly placed to be the fourth guard, to be the fourth point guard, where you have Jamal Murray. He's going to need some time off occasionally. Ish Smith is a good veteran to have, maybe not to play all the time, but to play in spot minutes. And then Bones Highland is another guy that Denver kind of like a uh, like a Jordan Poole, like a Tyler Hero, is going to be Denver's big spark plug off the bench. There will be times when Jamal needs to sit where Bones is going to play. And then he's going to start. And there are also going to be times where maybe Bones gets hurt or maybe uh, Ish Smith needs a... a he needs some time off. I don't know. Uh, Colin Gillespie feels like a player that probably won't play a lot this year because Denver's in a position where the roster doesn't really need him to. But if he does play, I feel pretty good about what Denver's going to get. He's going to be functional. He's going to be capable. That's all Denver really has to do with a fourth point guard type. They're going to get most of their good minutes from Bones and from Jamal. But other than those guys, uh, Gillespie feels pretty reasonable in terms of a like about 200 minutes played is what I would estimate. He'll be up with the team. He will take some opportunities to get better. For the most part, he will be down in the G League. But there is also just going to be times where he's going to be the, the 13th guy on the active roster where there's going to be other guys that need to sit. There are going to be other guys that, uh, whether it's Peyton Watson down in the G League or uh, Murray or Porter just has to take a break, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Denver's younger players to step up. So I do think that Christian Brown is, is the first in line for that. But Colin Gillespie is going to do it. So is Jack White. And so maybe will Peyton Watson. In terms of what Jack White is going to do, Denver's current forward rotation right now looks like Porter, Gordon, Jeff Green, a little bit of Zeke Naji, a little bit of Lako Chanchar, and then White. So it's not like there's a ton of players in front of him, especially when Zeke Naji is mostly projected to play backup center. So he's going to spend most of his minutes there in all likelihood for, for this upcoming season, which means that the small forward and power forward positions, there's going to be some some level of need for those guys to step up. I know that right now in the rotation, it's, uh, I think if I were to pencil in the, the backup rotation right now behind the starters, it would be Bones, it would be Bruce Brown, probably Davon Reed, probably Jeff Green, probably Zeke Naji. That would be my, my best guess at this point. Does it mean that Jack White couldn't play in place of Jeff Green, who is 35, 36 years old? Yeah, absolutely he could. There's there's a time where Jeff Green might not want to play and might not be able to play every single game. Denver also should be looking to rest him, and they should be looking to rest their other players, like a Porter, like a, even a Gordon, uh, where those guys, if they play more than 75 games, that's a big issue. Even Gordon. 
Denver should be trying to keep these guys maintained. The season is very long. There's going to be a lot of opportunities. Jack White, to me, feels like a guy who could fill in at either forward spot and be reasonably good. He's going to switch. He's going to be the fifth option offensively in most of that most of those opportunities, but he's also going to crash the glass. He's going to find some cutting lanes, and there's going to be some opportunities for him to be successful. He might be better than Vlatko. Like there's no there's no doubt to me that that is a possibility. And if that's the case, then you want to make guys like that available to Michael Malone to play. Peyton Watson, as I mentioned, going to spend a lot of time in the G League. Jack White, I think I'd probably estimate him to play about 400 minutes next year. 300 to 400 feels pretty good. Probably wouldn't expect that much more than that. But like, for example, Davon Reed, I think he played about 600. That's about the, the estimation you should get. Peyton, or not Peyton Watts, um, Davon Reed. He was a guy that occasionally stepped up and started for Denver, mostly because their wing rotation was in shambles, but he still was able to do some good things, even as a two-way contract. Jack White, to me, feels like very similar. If Murray and Jokic are still in and uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope is still playing, Bruce Brown starts, but you have Michael Porter out, you have... Um, you have Jeff Green out. You have Aaron Gordon out. Rather than moving Zeke Naji over to the starting four, maybe it's a better idea to start Jack White and keep some of your your firepower on the bench, at least to balance out the rotation a little bit. These are some things that Nuggets fans are going to have to think about that uh, Michael Malone, of course, is going to be thinking about. Denver can't overwork the rest of their rotation, and Jack White, I think, kind of helps with that. Peyton Watt, like he'll probably help more than Peyton Watson, to be honest. I'd expect Jack White to play about 400 minutes. I'd expect Peyton Watson to probably play about 200, kind of like uh, Gillespie. Those guys are not going to play a ton. And if Watson plays more than about 200 minutes, then I think things are probably like, either they're really good or they're really bad. And I just have to imagine that the the par for the course at this point is for him to play about in 30 games, garbage time for the most of it, and then maybe in game 82 or, or towards the end of Denver season, you'll play like 20, 25 minutes a night. We will see whether that actually happens, but I would not expect a whole bunch from him. He's just so far away at this stage, and it's too bad. I would love to see Peyton Watson continue to develop because as many people have noted, as I've noted, he is the perfect body type for what the Nuggets need to do, for what they have lacked for the most part over the course of their tenure. So that's 6'8", big wing sized, not necessarily a forward, but not necessarily a true wing either. It's kind of a hybrid position, a true small forward. And when you get into that, you're really hoping to find somebody that can really do it all. There are some foundational things with Peyton Watson where he can do some ball handling. He can do some defense. He's going to need to do the rest of it. He's going to need to finish. He's going to need to play with a high basketball IQ. And there's going to be time to develop that, but it probably won't be this year. Christian Brown, I would expect to play the most of anybody, though it's not going to be a ton. I think that Denver in their current position right now They'd probably want him to be the 11th man as opposed to the 10th. 
Maybe they hope that he eventually takes over that spot, but there's a reason why Davon Reed was signed. He's going to be the odds-on favorite Davon Reed to be the backup small forward heading into the season. Christian Brown, I would probably expect him to be an occasional player in that regard, but he'll also be the guy that when there's a player that needs to sit, whether it's Porter, whether it's Murray, I think Christian Brown is the most likely guy to play. Maybe not Murray, because I think Ish Smith would be the perfect guy to kind of step up for the bench there. But for if Porter has to sit, if KCP has to sit, if Bruce Brown has to sit, if Davon Reed has to sit, there are going to be a lot of opportunities for Christian Brown to step up and do his thing, which is mostly going to be defensive. It's mostly going to be running the floor, cutting, not necessarily doing a lot of ball handling, not necessarily doing a lot of shooting. It feels to me like Brown was a little bit behind in terms of his ball handling, in terms of his ball security. When he was at Summer League, he was probably pressing a little bit from what was happening uh, on the court for the most part. But it sort of felt to me like he wasn't ready all the way. And so Denver's going to need to find opportunities for other guys to play a little bit more. And like we saw with Bones last year when he was in Summer League, that he showed that he was going to be a problem and that he needed to play almost immediately. I don't know if I feel the same way about Christian Brown having watched him. Now, there are some things that he's going to do really well with. I do think, uh, I do think at this stage that I would probably project Christian Brown to play about 600 minutes about what Davon Reed played last year. Probably not more than that. Probably not too much. If he plays as much as Bones Highland did, which was a thousand minutes, 1300 minutes, something around there, then that's probably an issue for Denver. That's probably something that they don't want. Or if they do, then it has to be because Christian Brown completely earned that and because he's ready to do the things that the Nuggets are asking him to do. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if the Nuggets at the deadline, if they were looking to upgrade their rotation, the easiest way to upgrade their rotation is likely to add a backup small forward type. Somebody that can play next to Bones, next to Bruce Brown, and then play in place of Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon when Denver kind of mixes up their bench units and their starting units. That is probably what we will see next season. But if Christian Brown proves himself, if he shows himself capable to be able to handle some of those bench minutes, I would love to see him earn them. I'd love to see him get them. Because the more he does that, the more likely he is to have a long and capable career as a 3-and-D wing for the Denver Nuggets. We will see if that happens. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about what the hell do we do now? Summer League is over. What, what is next? We'll be right back. All right, we're back. 
final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this thing up by talking about well, what what the heck comes next? Why are we? What are we going to do now at this stage, Nuggets fans? There's there's just not a lot going on between now and the start of this upcoming season, which uh, media day is going to take place in a couple months. So there's between now and then, there's a lot to uh, figure out, I would say. But there's also not a lot of stuff to do in general once this summer league is over. There are some outstanding free agency and trade names that still need to be decided. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell. Colin Sexton is a restrictive free agent that has been completely unsigned so far. Uh, the Cavs, they re-signed Ricky Rubio basically after trading him to Indiana in the offseason. They, at this point... I don't know what they're going to do with Colin Sexton. It feels like that's a that's a weird one that might happen. But other unrestricted free agents so far, Faku Kambazo, he hasn't found a home quite yet. And it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't and that he has to go back over to Real Madrid. Miles Bridges, Montrez Harrell, those guys, for obvious reasons, are still left unsigned. There's, there's some bad things with both of them legally that – I don't really feel like getting into right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if if neither of them was back in the NBA, given what's happened. Dennis Schroeder, been a consistent uh, mercenary point guard over the course of these last couple of years with the Lakers, then with the uh, Celtics, and they traded him for Derek White. Uh, Actually, no, they traded him for Daniel Tice. Uh, They traded uh, Josh Richardson for Derek White. But... Schroeder still out there. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets signed here over the course of these next couple of weeks. Wancher Hernan Gomez, Bo Cruz, not currently on a team. Wouldn't surprise me if he went overseas, though. Um, if Denver had an open roster spot, I would definitely give it to him. Like that would be that'd be awesome, but they just don't. And then there's a lot of older guys that uh, older veterans in this league that probably will find homes over the course of these next couple of weeks, but also could potentially retire. Andre Guadala, Lou Williams, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, Dwight Howard, Blake Griffin, Carmelo Anthony, Rajon Rondo, Markeith Morris, Tristan Thompson, Hassan Whiteside. I'm a little bit surprised that Hassan Whiteside hasn't been signed yet. I thought he had a pretty good year last year with the Utah Jazz, but as it turns out, they don't really want him. And, and obviously, Utah doesn't really want him because they're they're moving into a full rebuild at this point. But uh, I'm surprised that another team didn't want him. Like, for example, Denver. Like, did they did they want uh, DeAndre Jordan over Hassan Whiteside? I think, I think the answer is probably yes due to more connections than anything else. But it was an, an interesting signing, to say the least. Beyond transactions, though, this is really the only dead period on the NBA calendar. Most of the time, the NBA is either in the regular season, in the playoffs, or the transaction season. Uh, There's very brief time between the end of the transaction season, kind of now, mid-July, and when the NBA season kind of gets up and running next which is in a couple months. Uh, I expect media day to be about late September at some point, probably like September 24th-ish. It's going to be interesting. 
Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that this dead period is going to be it's going to be fascinating because there's just not a lot that often that often happens during this time. So what's going on between now and then on the NBA calendar? Sometime in August, uh, the upcoming schedule will be released where Denver will get the number of national TV games that they have announced. We will go over the schedule. We'll complain about it, of course. Uh, there's going to be a lot to discuss, obviously, and I do think that for Denver specifically this year, with how much they have to manage Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. in all likelihood, the schedule will actually be of relevance when they play certain teams, when they have certain games, what they're like when they're fully healthy and those guys are playing more and more. What the schedule is going to look like then. Versus when it looks like during the ramp-up periods. That's something that I'm going to be watching. Also, the number of national TV games is important because Denver doesn't have a TV contract with Altitude and Comcast. That is uh, still a pretty big disaster. But on September 2nd and going through September 18th, Nikola Jokic is going to play in Eurobasket with Serbia. I also assume that Vlatko is going to play in Slovenia for Slovenia, but I have not. Um, I have not uh, confirmed that. Of course, I, I think that Vlatko probably will play. He started last time. Slovenia was in kind of the the national realms for what they were doing, uh, but it's going to be very fun. Pool play runs from September second to September eighth. Bracket play will run from September 9th to September eighteenth. These teams, uh, this is a very competitive tournament. This is a, a tournament that definitely feels like uh, it's it's in some ways bigger than the Olympics for some European teams. And I'm not really surprised by that with how tensions can sort of run deep and how culturally important some of these sports are and being successful in some of these sports are. So... Pool play will run from September 2nd to 8th. Bracket play September 9th to September 18th. The teams that are expected to make a deep run, I would say, Spain, France, Slovenia, Germany, and of course, Serbia. Uh, Spain has their, their normal crowd. I would I actually bet Wancho is going to play for Spain. France, apparently Joel Embiid just got his French citizenship, so he and Rudy Gobert could potentially play for France, that's going to be a very interesting lineup along with Evan Fournier and a couple of other guys. Slovenia, Luka Doncic, obviously, Vlako Chanchar, the two pillars of the NBA at this point. Germany, uh, you'll have, that's just a generally pretty good team, although it, I don't know if that's actually true anymore. I can't think of a lot of German players right now. It's Paul Zipser, I guess. Uh, usually Germany was very good. It wasn't necessarily because of uh, because of Dirk either. Like it was some other guys. So either way, Serbia going to have Nikola Jokic. Not going to have Bogdan Bogdanovic by the looks of it. He is recovering from surgery. Uh, but there are other players obviously that are Serbian that are very, very talented. And we will just have to see how that goes. Giannis is also going to play for Greece. So it wouldn't surprise me if they make a big run. And it's going to be like, so you have the pool play, which is going to go for a week. And then you have the bracket play, which is the top 16 teams from the pool play. So 
Serbia should be able to get through that. And it wouldn't surprise me if they get pretty far until they're, they're really challenged seriously. Uh, but once they get into that elimination play, every team is pretty good. So we will just have to see what they do. So yeah, the podcast going to look a little bit different for the next two months or so. I'm still going to probably do two to three episodes a week, probably two. And I will probably take a week or two off during August, kind of collect myself, maybe go on a vacation of some sort. I'll, of course, cover any important Nuggets news that pops up, but I don't expect there to be a lot of news. Don't expect there to be a lot of other stuff that we need to cover. The schedule drop, that's that's pretty much it. And then uh, once, once Serbia and the rest of the Eurobasket really gets going here, I'll definitely cover some of those games. Those will be a lot of fun to watch. Anytime Nikola Jokic gets to play basketball, something to celebrate. I'm going to have Jeff Morton on next podcast. He and I are going to talk on Tuesday night. We're going to do some Nuggets talk, but mostly we're going to talk – or not mostly. We'll we'll talk about some TV shows. I've, I've got some, some good topics that I think I want to talk about with Jeff. And I'd like to do the same with some other folks during this stretch. So if you guys have any interesting guests that you want me to have on in terms of talking about more than just basketball, let me know. I love talking about TVs. I'll talk about video games, talk about culture, whatever it is. But obviously, I specialize in basketball, so trying to broaden the horizons a little bit. So we will see whether that can actually happen. But for now, that'll do it on this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support, as always. We'll be back later this week with Jeff Morton. But for now... Talk to you very soon.